Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. Today's film is... Dicks. So it's been a while, Eric. Not long enough, I would say. I know. Um, my main question is, uh, have you gotten a chance to watch any movies since we last recorded an episode like many months ago? Is that what this podcast is about? <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a movie podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, I might have seen, I think one on accident. I kind of watched one. Oh, okay. Well, I'm intrigued to hear hear about yeah, it. Yeah, good thing. It was just last night. So I just randomly oh. watched a movie last night, uh, not thinking that this was a film podcast. Wow, the timing. It's amazing. I know. It's amazing that this happened. And then I watched another one today. It's weird. Oh, wow. Uh, so the one I watched last night is, uh, I believe it's brand new, but with the direct to streaming, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly when it came out, Yeah, but it is uh 2023's ghosted directed by Dexter Fletcher, who ghosted. apparently just really likes to, uh, direct Taron Edgerton because his main directorial credits are rocket man and Eddie the Eagle. Oh, um, I did see uh, both of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's the guy who made those and a couple other things that I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, this is about Cole Turner, a farmer played by Chris Evans, very believable casting, uh, <laughs> yeah. who falls head over heels for Sadie, an art curator played by Anna de Armas. Only Sadie, it turns out, is really a spy, oh, which Cole God. only finds out when he tracks her down to London after a single date, like a complete psychopath. <laughs> and he becomes embroiled in a web of uh, international espionage. This is like one of my favorite micro genres of movies that never seem to be great, but I always enjoy the hell out of mm -hmm. like uh, True Lies, which actually is a great movie uh, or This Means War, Night and Day, uh, The Spy mm -hmm. Who Dumped Me. Like I like all of those movies. They're fine. Mm -hmm. Like fun. the ones like where someone is a spy, but the other person doesn't know. Yeah, like a normie enters into this world of uh, James mm -hmm. Bondian kind of uh, intrigue. Right, right. You know, or even like Spy is the only Melissa McCarthy movie that I really like, which is a little different because she is working for the CIA, but she's like a desk agent who just kind of ends up in the middle of this thing. I love all of those mm -hmm. movies. This one was a movie that sadly did not. Um, the sum wasn't as much as it part because Chris Evans is great as this kind of everyman whisked into the world of Subarus by espionage. It was a little difficult to kind of separate him from uh, Captain America in this kind of setting, which is weird because I've seen him in other things like Knives Out where I didn't have that problem. But I guess maybe just like him running around, throwing punches and stuff. It was, you know, a little weird to think of him as not Captain America. Right, I right. Anna de Armas was this cool spy lady who was just like really awesome the action scenes in this were pretty good not bad not great but like you know fine for the the comedy genre um and it was like a fun but harmless kind of like cookie cutter action rom-com but it just wasn't great and i think the problem was like we don't get to know the characters outside of it's a rom-com about two people who don't I didn't get the, the like any kind of sexual tension outside of them being 
two really attractive human beings. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. no chemistry. Oh, between that's unfortunate. Them. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was lacking outside of like multiple, multiple. I keep wanting to call them NPCs, but this is <laughs> they're supporting actors like telling us, oh, you guys should get a room. I was just like, no, they're just bickering. I don't know. Uh, and like, yeah, I feel like we needed to open the movie with a five minute montage of these two characters. Kind of like it starts off with them being recently broken up. You know, but I feel like they needed to show the Chris Evans character being all sweet and maybe a little clingy and getting his heart broken by a girl or like a big thing about Chris Evans is he's hiding behind his family's need for him instead of, you know, he wants to write a book about the history of farming and agriculture across the world. But he's like never left America or even really his hometown. Mm -hmm. And he's hiding behind the excuse of, oh, my family needs me on the farm. Um you know, so maybe we should have seen some of that before these two meet or seeing Enda Armas. You know, I think it would have been funny to see her doing some badass spy shit and breaking up with a guy in the middle of it because like her character is kind of this emotionally closed off um, mission before the man kind of person. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if she was doing some Mission Impossible kind of stuff on the phone and breaking up with a guy because he's being too clingy which is kind of like how their relationship is Mm -hmm. like that would have just set everything up so great. Instead it starts at the farmer's market where Chris Evans is just like leaves the stall all day (laughs) on this like whirlwind date with Anna Diarmas and it, but it opens up with them like fighting with each other and it doesn't seem like the kind of cute fight, you know, they're like, she wants a plant that she doesn't really have to take care of because she travels a lot Right. And he like won't sell her a plant and they get into this <laughs> exchange. And else is like, wow, did you see that chemistry? You should go after her. And he does. And just like leaves his, his uh, stand for the whole day. And yeah. I guess they, they didn't show it. They just, uh, everyone just says it. Yeah. And then like later in the movie, in the part where they're supposed to be kind of confronting their own flaws, they're just like yelling them at each other. And I'm like, well, how does she know? that he's hiding on the farm because his family doesn't really need him. She's never met his family or done anything. So there's like no lead up Mm -hmm. to that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's like a less successful version of night and day is the one it really reminded me of where like, um, I don't know. I think we saw that together or maybe it was Eddie. No, I, I I did see it with you. I remember that. I remember Tom Cruise with this cool little Island. (laughs) <laughs> yeah tom cruise is like a spy and um remind me of her name cameron diaz, cameron diaz yeah. like you know this girl so it was like a gender swapped version of that but like not as successfully done mm-hmm. even though that's not like fine cinema it was also you know really fun oh and adrian brody's in it yeah i'm looking at this cast not just him adrian brody sebastian stan john cho anthony mackie it's like all a these, lot of uh... those people were in it for about two minutes because there's a very funny sequence um, where they finally find out what Anna Diarmas looks like because she's just this secret agent called the tax man for reasons that are never explained. Okay. Um, I think it was just an excuse to play that song at the end of the movie. Oh God. Yeah. Like there's like finally an action sequence. I think the very end of the movie where they play that song and you're just like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But otherwise there's no reason to call her that. It's just, it's, it was weird. Um, but yeah, they, they put out, you know, an APB on uh, 
I guess not an APB, but an all bounty hunters alert for right, um, right. Chris Evans. Actually, they believe he's the spy. Oh, okay, that's yeah, that's a fun twist. It, it was, but I it guess was a it fun twist. Yeah. It was a very fun twist. Uh, and and yeah, all of these people are in it for about two minutes as these bounty hunters are kind of trying to catch them, but then also killing each other to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, Adrian Brody, yeah, he's this evil agent turned, but we don't know anything about him except that he's like this former French intelligence agent who turned and has a bioweapon mm-hmm. and he's trying to sell it to people, but he doesn't have the codes. So he needs the codes from the tax man who also doesn't have the codes, by the way. <laughs> and he like, it reminded me of the Kingsman where Samuel L. Jackson has the lisp. He speaks in a very quirky kind of way but i'm like well why is he doing that it's not just a french accent he speaks very very oddly Mm -hmm. he's just a character without a backstory i guess yeah i i'm wondering if a lot of things got cut because the movie just needed more flesh on its bones i think to to be really good it was still fine it was Mm -hmm. like a solid two and a half to three star enjoyable movie if i was at a friend's house and they wanted to watch it i'd be like yeah sure i'm not gonna like leave but (laughs) I don't know that it's something that I would ever like put on again. Well, how come I, every time I put on a movie, you just leave my house (laughs) because you watch shitty movies. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This, this movie does sound like just kind of like average uh, forgettable, like uh, written by a chat GPT (laughs) kind of movie. Yeah. It's very (laughs) much like formulaic, but it needed to be even more formulaic. Because the the parts of the formula that they leave out are the important parts where you're actually getting to know and care about these characters Mm -hmm. instead of just like action set pieces and like Mm -hmm. telling us that these characters like each other. Tell us why. Show us why they Mm -hmm. should like each other. Yeah. 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 I like the two leads a lot. Uh, I just have no interest in seeing this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Ghosted. Interesting pick for your first movie in many months. (laughs) Well, I watched one that maybe you actually watched and forgot about. Um, I wanted to talk about the supposedly final chapter in the John Wick franchise, John Wick Chapter 4. Have you seen it? I did see it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say that this is the John Wick movie that I have been waiting for. Easily the favorite for me, I can see on your the look on your face that you do not agree. Um, this is the movie that I think finally got the formula right. Um, it had just enough moving pieces to the story to keep the action propelling forward without doing anything really dumb. It had, of course, really well choreographed action scenes that we know and love, but this time they didn't go on as long as some of the other action scenes from previous films that just kind of made me zone out a bit. You know, John Wick chapter three, especially has some too long scenes, uh, but also has some incredible action scenes. Um, And it gave me the ending uh, an ending that managed to wrap up all the John Wick uh, lore and world building that had come before it. So it was, I was very satisfied. I thought it was okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, it was fine, but it was kind of what I thought he should have done in the third movie. And mm-hmm. also, yeah. 
I don't think this is a spoiler okay. or not too much, but it, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a very light spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a new character on the scene, the marquee who seemed mm-hmm. really cool and badass, And eventually John Wick and he come to an agreement to have a duel. Yes. Um, and my big problem with the movie is that they, they do a lot of uh, build up in over the course of the entire series of films about how this is, yes, obviously an organization of um, assassins and, you know, whatever. But there's this code of honor and these rules. And that's right. why Keanu Reeves's character, John Wick, is in all of this trouble. So to agree to a duel and then just most of the movie is them trying to kill him before he gets to the duel is dishonorable and ridiculous. Yeah, but, that, but still that the organization would allow that. Like you agreed to a duel. No, I thought mm. that was a silly, silly thing. I like to think that the organization has fallen victim to its own rules and was like, okay, we have to allow this duel, but we don't have to protect him before the duel. So do whatever you need to do. That was how I read that. Then that should have been intimated mm. because, and then my other problem is, well, okay. Why is he even bothered bothering going to the duel? Why would they abide by that then? Well, because he won the duel. So if they're going to be that dishonorable, why would they then honor the duel? It was the best John Wick movie. <laughs> No, I I agree. Uh, There are some small little issues that, yes, if you pick apart the story, uh, it could fall apart maybe. But what I like to think about with movies is that some movies allow me to just forgo disbelief for the little things. And when a movie does so many things right – I don't care about the little things anymore. And the previous John Wick movies didn't n- never got me to that state. So I was always thinking about even some the of the dumb one. things. And even the first one, the first one. Oh my God, get out of here. Just the f- leave. <laughs> well, the first one I love, I love all the movies. I'm just searching for like the one that, you know, like the, is the great John Wick movie that I wanted. And I think it's number four. First one I liked a lot, but I just really don't like the part where they, uh, the bad guys knock him out and don't kill him. <laughs> and yes, that is a big thing. I am yeah. in agreement on that. And that, that was, to me, that is the same problem with the, uh, the code in this one. I can see that. Or even if say they had that scene, uh, the really cool scene with the cards where they're agreeing on the terms and they're in yes. that like modified consecrated ground, you know, you solve my problem by just pointing out as John wick is leaving. Hey, John, you know, you didn't ask for immunity until the duel. Like, just have mm-hmm. somebody say it. That's not right. part of the agreement that you just yeah. want after he signs the paper. And then it's like, oh, he should have known that. But we mm-hmm. haven't used these in so long. Right, right. And that shows how uh, smart the Marquis is. Or how about the Marquis is just having him hunted under the table? I ah, see what I did there. That was a pun. Kind of. <laughs> well, uh, actually, that's kind of what I my memory at least is that all the people that were sent to kill John wick were sent under the table, like not officially on the radio. They were on the radio, but not like officially through sanctioned uh... table radio. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I don't remember what the radio station was affiliated with. (laughs) 
Well, okay, yeah, there there are there are issues. I agree with you. You are speaking logically about some of the fallacies of the script, but <laughs> it I just, mean, I this, did like it. I don't want yeah. it to sound like I disliked yeah. it. It was probably my second favorite John Wick movie after the first, which does have that that mm-hmm. glaring problem that I mm-hmm. also hate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one just it, it it sang to me throughout the whole time. I was engaged. I was happy. I never never once had a qualm with what was going on. I love seeing all the, you know, the the martial artists um, that I know and love from other movies. Scott Atkins in a fat suit was really great. Um, he? John, he was the the uh, the poker player. <laughs> Scott Atkins, if oh you look him God. up, is, <laughs> is just a really uh, he's just a cool stunt guy who does some really great action movies nowadays. Mostly low budget direct to video stuff, but he's a he's a cool dude. Uh, Donnie Yen was given a really great performance. Um, you know, it was just fun, fun characters throughout. So yeah, it really, uh, I was very happy this one came at the end and I really hope that they do not make a John Wick five. Otherwise I'll, uh, I'll be very upset. This is like my fast and furious seven (laughs) where I'm like, (laughs) this is it. This is perfect. No need to continue. (laughs) You 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 left out my favorite uh, person in this movie, uh, who I just who, wish he would get so many more roles because he kills it whenever he's on screen. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. Oh yes, yes, exactly. He's is um, the concierge of the I guess Tokyo, right? Where whatever city in Japan that uh, mm-hmm. the, the manager of the Tokyo yeah, one, the man- yeah manager and he is the guy he plays ugio in the last samurai is the first thing i saw him in he's mm-hmm. very briefly in endgame as the yakuza guy that um oh my god i blanked on his name <laughs> i don't remember the arrow guy holy crap <laughs> the arrow guy let's see he shoots arrows, shoots arrows. Uh, he has eyes like a bird Hawkeye. It was Jeremy Renner, whoever Jeremy Renner played. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. Uh, <laughs> you're going to edit that out, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Add, add a, by edit it out, I mean add a longer pause where I sound like a moron. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's the Yakuza guy in that. Just every time I see him in something, he's so intense and so fantastic that I'm just like, why isn't this guy in everything? Even if he's mm-hmm. typecast as like the quasi evil Asian, you know, Yakuza guy, I would just watch right, right. every movie. He's just really good at that. Yeah. He's got that gravitas to his voice. Speaking of gravitas, uh, Ian McShane in these movies, I think is one of the undersung heroes, just the way he speaks and pauses and can say like one word that he's and say it in such that like British yeah. way that makes it so important. The way he uh, looks like an actual frog is just awesome. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I do love him though. Yeah. yeah. And then, and this movie also felt like a very fitting send off to Lance Reddick who passed away uh, fairly yeah. recently. Almost. Yeah. Almost. It almost felt like they wrote a lot of stuff after he passed away, but I, it, this was like released like, there's yeah, no way they could have done that or a month yeah. or something. Yeah. There's no yeah. way that happened, I think. But. So it's just so fortuitous how they sent off the character in the movies mm-hmm. uh, compared to real life. So that was uh, surprisingly touching. I thought. Yeah. Agreed. 
All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, or should we move into our main Let's topic? Move into the main topic. All right. So, the movie for this week was Ticks, 1993, directed by Tony Randall. Now, this is a story about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> I'm going to take a minute here and tell you how I got eaten by ticks. Uh, uh, Alfonso so, Ribeiro, R.I.P. Yep. I think he died so, in this, right? We watched this a week ago, and I barely remember it already. Yeah, we did. Uh, he does. So this movie is about a group of troubled teens headlined by 90s heartthrobs, Seth Green and Alfonso Ribeiro, who uh, go on a wilderness retreat. Together, the group wants to heal old wounds, develop new relationships, and discover hidden strengths within themselves that only the wilderness can unlock. What Little are you do they. This, off of? this is. This, I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, then keep going. <laughs> Don't you know how we do this podcast? Someone writes the intro for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Little do they know that evil pot farmers have set up shop inside the forest. The two groups soon collide, but the real threat is a swarm of giant mutant ticks that can inject hallucinogens into their victims. Can the teens work together to survive? Stay tuned as we discuss ticks. Whoever so, uh, that is pretty talented. Oh, well, thank you. Good save. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm going to say right off the bat that I oh, there's only one real reason that I like this movie, and it was the special effects. This is a bad movie that I really enjoyed watching mm-hmm. because it's bad. And yeah, yeah. there's some, like little tick creatures that uh, are just running around uh, killing people. And also it's got um, Ron Howard's brother, Clint Howard. Yes, Glenn Howard. Glenn Howard, who plays the pot farmer. Who, yeah, evil pot uh, farmer. is like, was this supposed to be an after-school special that they were just like, oh, no, let's throw in ticks, too. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it does have a feel of like an after-school special plot line about these you know kids from different worlds who have their own issues going into the wilderness to learn about themselves and and then suddenly ticks. So Don't it's kind of... Crimes. Ticks will come in. <laughs> Come and get you. <laughs> so, um, the Clint Howard plays a pot farmer who uh, is putting like growth hormones in there in the pot to make it grow faster and and better, and that leaks and starts leaking into the water supply, I guess, and gets into these ticks who mutate. If the the chemicals he was putting into the pot did that to the ticks. What do you think would happen if you actually used the pot? That's a very good question. They never actually talked about, like, we see, we know that the police are after these pot farmers and things. So they know there's supply of marijuana coming out of this forest, but they never mention what happens to the people who smoke it. Yeah. I would like to think that this was like, I don't know, an origin story for another hero or something. Like the Toxic Avenger. Is that where he comes from? Did he smoke this pot? No, he One got thing. hit with he, he, a barrel of uh, toxic waste fell on him or he fell into the barrel. I forget which oh, exactly. <laughs> not as cool. No. We should make one. 
Yeah, yeah, ticks too. The uh, four twenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the the acting of these kids and the adults is not great at all, except for Clint Howard, I think, who yeah. knows exactly what he's, he's doing. Almost <laughs> the uh, the equivalent of remember in RoboCop, the guy who falls into the toxic sludge. Yes. He's like that character in this movie, except he stumbles around and randomly appears in scenes as this like highly disfigured guy attacked by ticks. Yeah, and he gets like attacked like really early in the movie, and we think he's dead because there's these like gooey sacks of like you know tick egg chambers or whatever like growing near his in his in his facility, and they like there's a scene where they fall on him and they start you know attacking him and getting into his skin, and he goes to like cut off his what shoot his leg off he shoots his leg like three <laughs> times i think with the with a pistol yeah and, and i didn't one, know at the like, t- go, go ahead. ahead i didn't know at the time that the ticks had hallucinogenic effects so i guess that's what was in his head at that point i mean they say that in the movie but i don't know that that's a real world thing <laughs> right um yeah, the, uh, Amy Dolans, who uh, I believe was one of my original crushes when I was a child, uh, is in this film as the the lone girl character. This script, by the way, like the cast is so diverse. It was so weird to see that in a 90s movie, although I guess they're troubled teens, so they could be. There's uh, Alphonse Ribeiro is the black guy. There's mm-hmm. a Spanish guy and there's a girl. I was like, oh, my God, it's Captain Planet. <laughs> right right um, yeah it, it does that that after school special feel like it was just like manufactured that way what yeah, is amy dolan's from that you had a crush on her uh a movie that i almost watched for this podcast but then i realized i'd seen it too many times miracle beach i never even heard of miracle beach she was in a bunch of movies where the only excuse was to put her in a bikini oh okay basically. Yeah, like right around this time. Miracle Beach was probably 93. It's got the guy from um, one of the guys from summer school, and he really wants to sleep with this girl, and he (laughs) finds a genie lamp, and she's the genie. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, 1992, and Dean Cameron is the guy. Yeah, and he falls in love. He ends up falling in love with uh, the genie instead. Amy Dolan's. Great film. Probably not. I haven't seen it since I was like 13, but right, right. But for a 13 year old, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Hi, Roman. <laughs> I just wanted to find a lamp on the beach and rub it and have Amy Dolan's come out. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a joke in there somewhere, but I won't go for it. <laughs> there's a lot of rubbing in my 13 year old. <laughs> right. Thing. So did you, uh, were there, was there any performances or anything that you, Anything about this, yeah, the ticks, anything about this movie that you thought worked besides the special effects? I mean, I feel like the youth counselors were these middle-aged, they were a couple. They were, yeah. They were the worst youth counselors ever. They just let these kids run roughshod in the woods. Whenever They they had no plan. (laughs) They're just like, oh, suck it up. You're in nature now. There's supposed to be bugs. And they're like, these ticks are the size of your hand. Like, no, they're they're the ones who are horny even more than the kids are. They're trying to like 
bang each other the whole movie while they're supposed to be the custodians of these troubled kids. Yes. Yeah. That, that was my thing. There was no structure to this retreat. It's just like, here we are in the woods. All right, we're going to go have sex. You go for a walk. Why don't you t- go fishing by yourselves? And like, we're not going to teach you anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a very odd movie. I do think I brought this up in our little chat when we were watching the movie. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that Seth Green got the idea for robot chicken or got some of the, the knowledge of stop motion or VFX while filming this movie. And this is the Genesis of robot chicken, because that would be the best thing to come out of this film. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk, go move into the special effects now because they're all practical. They're the ticks are, you know, maybe the size of uh, dinner plates um, or, and they have their little legs and, you can see people pick them up and their legs are moving and you can see them running across the ground and, and it all looks really good. I was really impressed. Yeah. Agreed. That was the other best thing about this movie. And then they also have the, um, a lot of ticks exploding and a lot of goo. Um, there's a giant tick at the end as well. That is pretty impressive. Mother tick, the mother tick. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they called it that, but I did in my head. (laughs) Visual effects are done by Richard Ma- Richard Maslon, who uh, did a f- you know nothing super big. He did Cabin in the Woods, and uh, that movie rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this movie was produced by Brian Usna, who some people may know as a director of some really gross and cool horror films like Society and Beyond Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead Three, which is a good one. Um, but so I don't know what the uh, oh, and the director of this movie, Tony Randall, did Hellraiser two. So there's a lot of good like oh yeah, big big crazy effects laden horror uh, engineers behind the scenes in this one. So I guess that's that's how it came to be. But one thing I did want to mention is uh, about Seth Green is that he's I don't think he's a good actor at all in this movie. <laughs> No, he's real bad. I don't know how he, I mean, he's better now. I don't know how, or maybe he just kind of fell into the roles that he? he can do. That's a, yeah, that's a, maybe he just fell into the roles that he can do well. You know, I mean, he was amazing and can't hardly wait mm-hmm. a mere six years in the future. Right. Right. That was a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. I know you like that movie a lot. I haven't I seen it. I love that movie. And I, mean, I haven't seen it in a while. Plays like, you know, an incredibly weird character. I uh, think he okay. just plays characters that don't require him to be anything other than Seth green. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then speaking of not great actors, there's the, the, uh, the people that are in tr- the, the pot dealers, I guess, who are in charge of this evil marijuana enterprise who <laughs> just like, they're kind of the villains of the piece besides the ticks who come into the, the uh, campsite and um, seeking safe haven from the ticks and then take everybody hostage. Uh, and they're just two like old dudes. One of which is like, I don't know. There's homosexual overtones to this. They where... made like some very <laughs> odd homophobic yeah. jokes that were like, mm-hmm. not even like through the lens of time inappropriate, just like very weird jokes that I don't think were appropriate at any time. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was very weird to um, like this one. The, there are two characters, and one of them keeps calling the other one like 
master. <laughs> and I, yeah, they, I don't know what they were trying to say with that relationship. They weren't, they were kind of doing it as a joke, but kind of like making it like sinister. So I wasn't sure what the, what they were going for. Yeah. Very odd. Well, the one guy was almost like from deliverance, like a backwoods guy with really bad teeth. And Mm -hmm. he, the other guy, sir, call him sir. And he was dressed, I don't know, just like in a gray trench coat. I think he was supposed to be like posh or upscale, but definitely wasn't. Mm -hmm. But still a completely different world from his like little, you know, stoolie. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there is an odd uh, group, an odd duo. And they were also just not great villains. They were just kind of more annoying. I mean, you could have just no. had these kids against ticks and it would have been perfectly fine. They didn't really add to the story at all. Yeah, and they were like really paranoid about these kids finding their marijuana fields, which I don't think we saw at all during the movie. No, no, we didn't. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, they, they should have just been like, background side characters who got killed and we enjoyed watching them die rather than like yeah the ticks were the villains and we didn't get enough ticks we got too much of these guys right right this needed you know 60 percent more ticks and it would have been a much better movie <laughs> at least you might be underselling it yes so any uh final thoughts and a rating for you i would give it um a two star rating, but with the caveat that it is very enjoyable if you're in the mood for a really bad movie, like Mm -hmm. how did this get made level movie that you can just watch and be like, this is so bad. I'm in. Yeah. I'm with you there. I gave it two and a half stars. I think the, the average rating for me was more because it was how much fun it was to watch and how good the effects were and that it kind of flies by at 85 minutes. So you don't really have enough time to be like, Oh, this is boring. It just kind of, uh, you know, gets in and gets out and shows you some cool gore and some cool creatures and that's it. Yeah. All right. So Eric, what did ticks inspire within you? Ticks inspired me to watch a movie that I've wanted to watch for 33 years. Oh, wow. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, the film Arachnophobia, oh. 1990. I have never actually watched it. Uh, directed by Frank Marshall, um, who's also directed Congo and Alive. He's produced so many movies, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was also produced by Steven Spielberg. And it's a movie about Jeff Daniels, who plays Ross Jennings. It's a doctor that moves his family from San Francisco to a small town to open his own medical practice. Uh, He's basically replacing an old doctor who's set to retire. Unfortunately for him, the doctor who is supposed to retire decides not to and doesn't tell him until he's there when he goes to meet him to kind of like get the lay of the land and his new uh, patients. Fortunately for him, the the town is soon infested with deadly spiders that give him plenty of work. (laughs) Unfortunately for him, again, is that he is afraid of spiders. The movie is like, I know it was 1990, but it's very 80s in a lot of ways, including like the first 20 minutes or so of this movie does not feature a it's not in America. And it doesn't feature Jeff Daniels at all, who is like the top build person in this movie. It opens with this 20 minute uh, 
section about this scientist who is played by, let me find the actor's name real quick. He is the British shithead in like a lot of movies. Um, Julian Sands. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and he's a scientist going down to Venezuela, I think is what they say later. I'm not sure if they say it in the beginning, but they, they tell you where they are later. Somewhere in the rainforest, kind of trying to find new species of bugs. Uh, they do, and it happens to kill their photographer, which they don't know he dies from a spider bite. They, they just think he has a weird fever. So they send his body back to this town with the spider, and that's how the spiders infest this whole town. Mm-hmm. Um it was like so weird to watch that, but also like really cool that they were able to successfully make a movie with a full on 20 minute scene of how long is this movie? It didn't seem long. I would say uh, probably about an hour and a half or so. 109 minutes. Yeah. So maybe slightly an hour and 45 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they spend these 20 minutes just like setting up this whole story for no reason. And it was so <laughs> 80s and so great. It reminded me a lot of like um, kind of like an Indiana Jones opening to a movie where they're they're going over like this whole thing. Only it doesn't really tie in. It didn't need to be there, but it was still like very entertaining and well done. OK. Yeah. What's the, uh, so what, what's the tone of this movie? Because I always pictured it as like a dumb comedy, but I've never seen it. So it is marketed. I watched the trailer because the thing that I really wanted this movie to be, and it's fine. I did enjoy this movie. I'll say that straight out, even though it wasn't what my 10 year old brain apparently uh, processed it as <laughs> um, kind of John Goodman. I just remember the scenes in the trailer of him in this like full hazmat suit shooting spiders. I thought it was going to be like, John Goodman Ramboing basically a, a giant spider <laughs> nest, uh, which was right. only for about 10 minutes. Um, there's a lot of parallels to Jaws. It markets itself, by the way, in the trailer that I watched after to be like, did I just make that whole thing up about John Goodman being Rambo? Uh, and I did, or at least based on the one trailer I did, but it, it markets itself as a thrillomedy, which I assume <laughs> is a very clunky, clumsy way to say thriller comedy which i guess kind of yeah i never heard that term i i'm i i am not surprised it never stuck (laughs) it is it reminded me a lot of a movie that was trying to be a more comedic version of jaws okay um there's a lot of parallels as in like jeff daniels is this kind of authority figure and he's sounding the alarm he doesn't know that they're dying by spider but it, it's kind of like this slow buildup of, you know, um, there's only one person who wants to be his patient because she doesn't like the town doctor and she dies. And she's an older lady, but she's like not old, old, and she's in really good health. And he's like, I want to do an autopsy. I want to know why this lady died. And the the existing doctor and the medical examiner like and the sheriff are like, no, it's, there, there's no point. You took her off her heart meds that she should have been on. So that's it. And then like another kid dies and it happens to be right after he, uh, a kid on the football team dies because he puts on a helmet that has a spider in it and the, it bites him in the middle of the play. <laughs> but of course it's on the day that the, uh, the coach of the football team had him come and do the, the physicals. And he's right. like, this isn't right. These, these people shouldn't be dying. And then the actual doctor dies and he's still like, there's a spider bite. 
the spider must have killed him and like nobody believes him and they just want to you know be left alone so very jawsy and that mm-hmm. nobody wants to listen to this guy kind of sounding the alarm until they have to yeah um what else did i think of that was just like jaws he's afraid of the thing like that of course is nesting in his house he's afraid <laughs> of this like wildlife nature um i don't know it was fine it okay. wanted to be funnier than i think it ended up being mm-hmm. but i thought it was really good okay maybe not yeah. really good it was a solid <laughs> three well better than ticks at least so better than ticks. You're, better you're than on the ticks. upswing although um i think the the special effects in ticks were a lot better okay they were a lot better which is uh, a crazy fun fact about this movie there is a mechanical spider first of all i was reading about what they did to keep these spiders safe and it was insane uh, all of the the things they had to do to not kill spiders, which are just like running rampant in this movie, like oh, wow. hollowing out books. And there's a scene where John Goodman is spraying this spider with like what looks like acid, but it's just water. And they had to do all these practical effects. So like, I guess I should give them credit on that and stepping on it. Uh, they carved a hole. Spiders are untrainable, apparently. <laughs> so they like carved a hole in his boot and he had to step on the spider just right in this like yeah oh yeah that's that's really interesting like to watch a behind the scenes yeah. of that one but they had a mechanical spider that was made by one of the guy the jamie guy from mythbusters oh wow yeah i knew they did yeah. stuff like that in the past but i didn't know it was such high profile movies <laughs> yeah um i loved jeff daniels character I, jeff daniels always plays like a really good kind of everyman yeah, he does. John Goodman's character was definitely some kind of neurodivergent, and he was very, <laughs> he was really funny. I feel like he needed more screen time. And that's maybe my fault for thinking that this movie was Rambo with spiders. Um, mm-hmm. Haley Jane Kozak was in it, who, if you don't know the name, she is like the mom attractive woman who was in a lot of things in like the late 80s and 90s. She's in like parenthood. Um, mm-hmm. Necessary roughness. <laughs> yeah. Necessary roughness is the yeah. other one she plays. If you need someone to be in love with a Scott Bakula or a Jeff Daniels, this is your lady in that time. <laughs> she, hey, she had, she had a role and she did it well. <laughs> yeah. She was great. I loved her. Hmm. All right. Well, cool. Well, good, good pull. Good pull. I'm glad I finally saw it. So I was inspired. I went back a little bit to maybe a movie that Tix was inspired by. It was another killer pug movie. This one from 1988 called Slugs. Slugs was directed by Juan Piquer Simone. Uh, J.P. Simone, I think is how he's um, usually credited, who directed The Incredible Pieces, which is a very self-aware very funny slasher film and slugs is a very self-aware, very funny bugs attack movie. <laughs> so he's, he's good at, at, at what he does. Slugs is the story of a health inspector who runs across these bodies that have been murdered in a very gross way. A lot of practical effects, skin pulled off, eyeballs missing, covered in slime. And him and his sewer inspector buddy 
trace the causes of death back to mutant slugs that have infested the sewer system and are crawling up through the drain pipes and into people's homes. Um, it's cast by a, with a, a, a cast of like no name people who are all just like very fine, good standard actors, you know, not trying, they're all like the, the, uh, the knockoff versions of your normal actors, but they're all doing a stand up job. <laughs> the special effects are really good. The script is, um, unsurprising, but engaging in that way of, of like, oh yeah, I know what's going to happen next and I can't wait to kind of see that happen. And then it does happen. You know, a lot of the movie is the two main characters running around to all these officials trying to e- explain that slugs are killing people. And the officials are like, you're crazy. I'm not going to shut down the water supply because of what you think. You think there are slugs in our water? You know, the mayor is like, blame them. Yeah, the mayor is saying the same thing. They can't really, you know, um, get anybody to believe them. The reason that the mayor uh, won't believe them and won't do anything is very funny. There, one of the plot points in this movie is that there's a uh, a big deal happening in town. There's new shopping centers coming in, uh, being built, um, and the representatives from the shopping center. Are, are there to sign the final paperwork and the mayor of course is like whining and dining them and doesn't want anything uh to make this deal go south and the the representatives from the shopping center are um they they keep mentioning the name of the store and it was caldor <laughs> do you remember caldor <laughs> yeah this Cal- is such an 80s plot i feel like yeah. today it would just be an amazon warehouse and jeff bezos would be like well can we hire the slugs Right, yeah. How fast are they? Will they work without peeing? (laughs) You you mean they only want to eat human flesh? That's fine. We can, we can, (laughs) we can, we could serve them human flesh instead of money. I know. Cheaper. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I thought it was very funny that Caldor was involved because that was like we had one near our house when we were growing up in our area, and then it disappeared and went out of business. But it was a big thing back in 1988. It was like, oh my God, Caldor is coming to town. We cannot let them down. <laughs> God, I remember that name and don't remember a thing about the store. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it was. If uh, eight-year-old me, I would know everything about Caldor. Yeah. But to me, it just sounds like uh, the shitty realm in a sea-level uh, <laughs> fantasy movie. Right. <laughs> we, we must, must travel. Caldor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so besides that, 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 that datedness was kind of fun to watch, but the effects are good. The movie, you know, moves along as you expect. Um, there's a cool scene where somebody actually accidentally eats a slug that was in a salad and then he, he immediately starts getting sick and, you know, we see him getting sicker and sicker until he's at a meeting with the Caldor people at a fancy restaurant and he, and his face basically explodes and these parasitic worms come out of him and his eyeballs pop out and (laughs) you know, it's gross. And you know, if you're going to watch a movie about slugs killing people, you know, it's fun that it's a gross movie. (laughs) So yeah, I, I, I recommend this. If uh, anybody's into killer bugs, this is one of the better ones that I've seen. It's short 89 minutes. It's made by a director who knows uh, the genre and knows 
um, you know, how to make it entertaining within the confines of everything that needs to happen. And uh, yeah. Oh, it also has this, uh, this sheriff who is the surliest sheriff I've ever seen in a movie. He just hates this health inspector. He hates everybody. He's yelling at his deputies. <laughs> it, it, every scene with him was very funny. And it, um, he's not that great an actor, but I think that kind of made it a little better. That he was just kind of like so stone-faced and just mad at everybody. So just little things like that kept it very entertaining. Cool. Yeah, I would give this one uh, three, three, three. No, I think I'm leaning towards three and a half stars. Three and a half stars for this one. All right. So, Eric, I think it's time that we pick a movie for next episode. And we're doing this a little differently now. I get to go on your Letterboxd account. And Normal pick Monkey, some- everybody remember, follow me at Normal Monkey pick something off of your watch list so let me see normal monkey and then i go to your watch list and then let's see let's filter for streaming so i don't have to pay any money let's see here so there was two or three i was interested in but i think after today's episode i'm in a mood for something a little more serious so i'm gonna go with the movie that i've always wanted to see that's on your list Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Oh, you've never seen it. Never seen it, yeah. Me neither. I'm really excited because I kind of wanted to get into westerns. It's one of the few genres I've never explored at all. Okay, cool. Outside of like Django Unchained. Right, right. (laughs) All right, excellent. This will be a good one. One of the the best modern westerns, supposedly. Yeah, it looks cool. Such sights to see, along with my other projects, can be found on proleary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.